0: Welcome to another episode of the Playlist Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Barfield, managing editor of the Playlist. And today I got a new interview for your listening pleasure as I get the chance to speak to David Blue Garcia, the director of the new reboot, sequel, legacy film, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. For those unaware, Texas Chainsaw Massacre tells the story of, well, of a massacre involving a chainsaw in the state of Texas. And for this film, you can ignore all those previous sequels, though there are some wild ass gems in there if you want to explore further. Garcia's film picks up 50 years after the original film and finds old man Leatherface busting out the chainsaw yet again to hack up some people. In the interview, I get to talk to Garcia about the legacy of the Texas Chainsaw franchise and why he was so excited to tell this story. We also talk about his unique situation as director of this film, where he was hired after production already began to take over from previous filmmakers after they departed due to creative differences. And we talk about what it takes for a Texas-based filmmaker to tell a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in the country of Bulgaria. But before we get to the interview, I have to tell you the Playlist Podcast is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, The Fourth Wall, Deep Focus, The Discourse, Yellowstoners, and more. And if you want to find us, you can check our podcast app of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, or anywhere else you find your favorite shows. Also, just as a note, your favorite Yellowstoners, Mike D'Angelo and Rodrigo Perez, are branching out with a brand new podcast, Bingeworthy, where they focus on the world of TV shows that don't necessarily include cowboys. Though I'm pretty sure they will be talking about cowboys because that's what they love more than anything. The latest episode features a great interview with John Lurie about the HBO series Painting with John, so definitely check it out. It's worth a listen. And without any further ado, now I'd like to present my recent interview with David Blue Garcia, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is now available on Netflix. Enjoy. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Charles? I'm doing well. Um, So I want to talk obviously about texas chainsaw massacre but i think it's interesting before we get to the film to talk about how you got involved um it was kind of a unique situation i think is it's fair to say so uh for those that don't know you you came in kind of midway through and then started over um but i I would love to hear kind
1: of how you got involved and and what that situation was like for you well, I think it's, uh, it's pretty common in, in Hollywood for there to be creative differences sometimes between um, directors and, and studios. So from what I understand, you know, that happened um, and I was fortunate enough to be brought in. Um, and I think being a native Texan in my first film being called Tejano, which literally means Texan in Spanish, uh, I think it was the right guy for the job. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, Was it was it odd coming into a situation, though, where, you know,
1: everybody's already attached, you have a cast and everybody's ready to go and they're like, all right, let's do this. It was actually kind of a lot of fun. You know what I mean? It it felt um, it felt like I could just start fresh um, and my ideas were just flowing uh, off, you know, flying by the seat of my pants, kind of the way they, they made the original film, which was like made in a very indie way where they're kind of coming up with their shot lists every day and figuring it out on set. Um, you know, I came in prepared. I mean, I, I was doing storyboards and stuff every night, uh, sometimes on the way to set, but, uh, you know, it was, it was really fun to be spontaneous like that and come up with the movie as we went. So, well,
0: well, get to the movie now because this is a, an interesting film as people know from watching the trailer just know about the movie this actually is a direct sequel to the to your toby hooper original um, which is a classic it's one of my favorite movies so we've seen that quite a bit nowadays with with franchises saying especially horror saying screw the sequels let's just go with direct se- uh, a, a new
1: version of a sequel um, why do you think this works for texas chainsaw I think it works for Texas Chainsaw because, um, you know, we, we really it's a great story and it's a great character. And we really want to introduce it to a new audience, a new generation of audience who probably hasn't seen the first movie and probably hasn't seen all of all of the sequels. So it does make sense to sort of just kind of reinvent the story a little bit as a direct sequel to the original and hopefully inspire people to go back and look at the, the legacy of the original. And they should.
0: I mean, it's a classic. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and, and one thing that's interesting about your, uh, people call them recalls or legacy sequels or whatever, but what's interesting about your movie is that unlike Halloween and, and Nightmare on Elm Street and these other films, uh, there hasn't been a real tone set in any of the sequels. So you get to come back and and kind of start from scratch with, with what is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. So did that have a bit of freedom, um,
1: not being beholden to a formula that's been tried and true in the past? Yeah, so I did one thing before I shot this movie. Uh, I watched the original film. I watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I put it in my head and then I didn't watch anything else. And I really wanted to sort of like, you know, to capture the spirit of that and put it into this film. And something I noticed about the first movie that not a lot of people talk about is actually how darkly funny it is at times. And, um, you know, I made a mental note of that because I, I do like levity in films, and, and that's why I I did add a little bit of levity to this twenty twenty two version. Uh, you probably saw some of it in the trailer, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, the cell phone moment. Yeah, well, I I mean, I've seen the movie, so
0: I know oh, that there's there yeah, yeah 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 there's there there's plenty of uh yeah. of levity, especially in the early going. Um, what. So you said you watched the, the original and you kind of disregarded the sequels, which I think a lot of people are in the same boat as you. Um, so what about that original do you think are like the hallmarks where you're like, okay, these are the things I have to keep other than obviously the dark humor, which you mentioned?
1: Well, I mean, you know, stylistically I did, you know, did something a little bit different than the original, which was, you know, I, I well, it's funny because the original is, is known for being really gritty and almost like documentary feeling, but that's almost a result of its budget more than it's intention because they did intend to, they shot on like a low, you know, ASA, uh, 16 millimeter film stock so that the grain was smaller. So it looked more like 35 millimeter, um, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, keep a mix of like, not being, I don't want to be too slick with the cinematography. I want it to be kind of gritty and raw and I used a lot of handheld and I used a lot of like old school techniques, um, that, you know, they would have had access to in the original film. So uh, I just wanted to keep it grounded in that way. And and another thing I think that you do really well
0: in this film, as opposed to other legacy sequels, just to end on that, is uh, you don't retread the story of the original. A lot of times we see these, these films kind of just say like, okay, let's put mm-hmm. them in a house again, you know? And it very easily could have been that, but you went in an entirely
1: different direction. Was that something that was important to you and, and everybody who came up with this story? Yeah, I think it was... It was important to honor the original film, um, but to also make a film that works on its own. Um, assuming that we're going to get a lot of new fans and new viewers who haven't seen the original, they don't have context for it. So they can enjoy this movie on its own. Um, it tells its own story and it all makes sense. Uh, and then hopefully, again, it inspires people to go back and revisit the original movies.
0: You know, as much as just to end on the sequels, as much as we, you know, they're, they're they don't play into your movie it's interesting to see a young Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey and uh, Viggo Mortensen and, and all that. So there's some, some fun to be had there as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot
1: of great stuff in there.
0: And it's weird. It's, it's, this is a, a film franchise that goes in weird places and, and your movie um, I think differs in a lot of ways to the original with the blood and gore because Texas chainsaw, Mm -hmm. the original one is like kind of notorious for not having very much blood for a movie with chainsaw in the title. Um, Were you ever concerned about having, I know it sounds weird, but too much
1: blood in your Texas chainsaw movie? Well, when you're working uh, with Fede Alvarez as a producer, (laughs) um, the answer is always more blood, go push it further. Um, So, you know, Fede is kind of a master of horror and he's done a lot of really great, well-crafted gore films with Practical effects, and he sort of showed me the ropes and taught me how to how to do that right and how to really gross audiences out. So once I got that in my head, I had a lot of fun with it. You you mentioned the dark humor. I think one of the things that is uh,
0: kind of sadistically funny in your movie is just how. Uh, there's one scene in particular we're not going to spoil, but just how you kind of go to uh, the extent of what is believable almost to, to bring that home.
1: So that's I mean, it's, fun. It's, it's kind of absurd how funny some of the kills are. Yeah, and, and I, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, put that put that in there. Um, you know, it's uh, we're not sick people, but there's <laughs> some humor to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the victims and, and who they are. It kind mm-hmm. of, it's mm-hmm. it
0: feels like you're exercising your own sort of uh, demons per se. Exactly. Yeah. Um, on a different note, one of the things that surprised me most about this movie is one of the backstories you give to a character without context or anything. It involves a pretty traumatic event, um, a, a shooting. And it is something that, you know, you could have it could have zigged when you wanted to zag if you go too much into this trauma in your fun, gory Texas Chainsaw movie. So was there any concern in editing or, or, you know, working out that, that backstory that you didn't want to get too deep into it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think we did a good job of giving the character a backstory and then not preaching to the audience one way or another about what it means. Um, It's that character's trauma that she's trying to deal with. She survived a school shooting And um, then she's faced with an even more traumatic event and, you know, she's given the choice whether she's going to run away or she's going to stand and fight. So um, I think it's a really good uh, contemporary, uh, you know, update to the original film where we had protagonists that were, you know, running, fleeing the violence of the city and also sort of like the Vietnam War, which was like, you know, the main violent thing at, at the time. So um, something that's very prevalent in our society, unfortunately, are school shootings. So it, it's, it makes sense that this was the update. Speaking of the
0: characters, the cast here is, uh, there There are a couple names. There's, uh, you know, eighth grade's Elsie Fisher, who's who's great. Um, but there's a lot of, of new faces, I think, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So what was that like? Because I don't know that you were able to be involved in the casting because you came in so late. But um, what was it like working with these characters who are way younger than the original
1: film and or these actors. I mean, it it was a lot of fun uh, getting to meet and and hit the ground running with these actors. Um, You know, they all had a a rapport. I noticed they were were going out hiking on the weekends and, and, you know, hanging out and getting to know each other. And when I'd see them around on set, they'd be, you know, singing and and dancing and just laughing and having fun. So I was like, well, they take care of themselves. Okay, I'm just going to go solve this problem over here. Um, and they were all really talented. Um, I think we may have discovered like a couple more Renee Zellwiggers and or Vigo Mortens somewhere in there. So
0: that's uh, yeah, without naming names, that's some big shoes to fill. So we'll have to see mm-hmm. how that pans out. But uh, you mentioned the hiking. And I, I know this is a weird segue, but one of the things that shocked me so much is that I read that this was filmed in Bulgaria. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned you're a Texan and this movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, what was it like being a Texan trying to recreate Texas in Bulgaria?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm the first uh, Texan in quite a while to helm one of these movies. I think it was Toby Hooper, Kim Hinkle, and then me. Yes. So um, it's about time. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up in South Texas. I've lived in Texas. I still live here and I'm here right now. So um, have, I have a very discriminating eye for what is Texas and what isn't. And when I got to Bulgaria, I was pretty impressed. Um, there's a lot of rural landscapes that were very reminiscent of Texas, and it was all about just framing it the right way to make it work. And there were times where I'd look out the window and think I was in West Texas. Um, and we had a great production design and art team who built us a pretty convincing uh, Texas town in the middle of Bulgaria. So I think it all kind of worked out.
0: Yeah. So you're going to go back to Bulgaria every time you need to to work on Texas movies?
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. I'd love to make a movie in Texas some, someday, so... Yeah, my first, yeah. Movie, my first movie I made in South Texas and it's it's set here. Yeah. One of the things uh, about this movie
0: also is that this is getting a Netflix, a Netflix release, um, which is great because it'll be seen all over the world. Um, and this seems to be kind of the way of the world nowadays with a lot of movies, um, <laughs> specifically non-superhero tentpole movies. So what do you mm. think about that transition to streaming, um, not just for your movie, but for for a lot of movies nowadays?
1: Yeah, I think a, a lot of filmmakers um their dream is to to watch their movie in theaters with an audience, but uh the reality is um it'll probably get seen way I mean it will definitely get seen way more on Netflix and this is the future and um and I'm I'm actually really happy with it. Um a lot of people are going to get to see this movie all over the world and it's I'm really excited to see what happens with it. Had you uh
0: going back to your your history here, I'm sorry. You mentioned Fede Alvarez and he's involved um As a producer, and I guess he crafted the story as well, or helped craft the Mm -hmm. story. Um, What was it like working with Fede? Have you worked with him previously? And uh, you know, what does he bring other than buckets of blood to a movie?
1: (laughs) No, I mean, I just met Fede on this movie, and I mean, we, you know, we're fast friends, and we spent a lot of time like this on Zoom calls. Um, Him just kind of downloading the story to me, uh, just giving me, you know, tips on directing horror, on practical effects, on on how to use more blood. I mean, I think he saw the dailies and I shot one of the kills, I shot one of the kills like the first day and he saw the dailies and he got back to me the next day and he's like, Hey man, great job on that kill. I just want you to reshoot it with a little more blood, you know? (laughs) And and I want you to just always think about every kill and just really enhancing it. And so once he kind of gave me that lesson, um, he never, he never asked me for, for me to reshoot anything again. So, so, um, yeah, it was really fun working with him. He's also like a master in the editing room and a lot of horror films are, are kind of built and crafted in the in the editing room. Uh, it's all about timing and it's about when you cut and what you show. So it was really fun to learn from him in that process as well.
0: What was what was that like learning uh, horror films? You know, you you said you start day one with a, a kill and you think you've got it, but then he's like more blood, you know? Were there other like learning curves with with this genre of movie that you had to kind of quickly
1: get pace on? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's plenty of, of learning curves and, and like a big one is just like the practical effects. I mean, you know, you, you, you stick to that idea. You really want to get capture as much in camera as possible, but it means you're going to have to reset a lot. So, you know, you do, you, you blow a blood squib and blood goes everywhere. So now you have to take 15, 20, 30 minutes to go clean, clean the actor, change their wardrobe, you know, go back. Um, so you can do a, a second take so that patience was was difficult to learn, but there's always something you can do while you're waiting you know so it's all about sort of like setting up your chess pieces and and, and getting a plan um and you know horror films are also difficult because they, you know this one we're throwing all the elements at the screen, you know night shoots and big rain machines and and blood cannons and and prosthetics and everything so I was learning to deal with like how to time all that stuff out, you know, and uh, and, and just how to film it. So,
0: yeah. And, and, you know, doing some of it on a bus, which is like ramping up that uh, level of difficulty. I have to imagine, too,
1: when you're dealing with close encounters. Absolutely. Filming the the, uh, you know, soon to be infamous bus scene, I think <laughs> I uh, would agree it was extremely difficult, um, especially during covid times. Uh, We're cramming a lot of people into a small space and, you know, we're being very safe. So every 20, or 30 minutes, we're clearing the set, sterilizing it, letting it air out and then bringing everyone back on. So sometimes I'd I'd be in there setting up a shot and I'd maybe get one take and then I'd hear the AD. "Okay, clear the bus. And I'm just like, oh, man, I can't I can't get a flow, you know, and then I just go out and just sitting there tapping my toes so we we can go back in, you know, so it, it was difficult.
0: Yeah, so so now you've dipped your toes. Uh, well, you've jumped in the deep end on on horror here. Do you see yourself sticking around for a little bit, or or do you have other genres that you're interested? in? I do. I've series? always
1: loved horror, and and some of my favorite movies are horror films. Um, most notably, Alien by Ridley oh, Scott, and God. it's just it's just Got my Xenomorph tattoo, man oh, after my own heart. I mean, it's just it's. I watched it again a couple of weeks ago. It's still a classic. It's still effective. Oh, yeah. And something, I, I was watching a documentary on the making of it too, and there was a quote by Ridley Scott where he said, uh, Star Wars had just come out, and that was sort of like the fantasy fable of science fiction, but he set out to make the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of science fiction. And I thought that was so cool to hear him say that because it just kind of tied it full circle for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and for those listening, the the 40th anniversary release that was recently it's like 4k. It looks beautiful. Like alien looks like it was made yesterday. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. So you're from Texas, you've heard of Texas Chainsaw. Have you visited the house?
1: Because I have, I can't say I have, I I, uh, I know that it had been moved from its original yeah. location, and then it became a bed, a bed and breakfast. Yeah. And I don't remember the last thing. Um, I don't remember the last update of what's the state of the house, but I grew up in Texas and honestly, I've been to a lot of houses that look exactly like that. So I kind of feel like, a
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting because one of the early scenes you have uh, a character um, picking up memorabilia. And it, it brought back flashbacks to when I was at the Texas Chainsaw House and it was so weird. It's like a bar and grill now. And they sell like Texas Chainsaw Leatherface memorabilia there. And I was like, oh, this guy had to have gone there or something. This is like too true. Um, and they also have, you know, the gas stations now a, a Texas chainsaw themed like bed and breakfast too. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, so I mean, I guess the movie takes a little bit from real life too. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: what what's next for for david blue garcia you've you've finished texas chainsaw it's coming out in february do you have other projects lined up you want to tease
1: yeah i just uh finished writing a, a draft of my feature which is a sci-fi horror film following nice. you know going into that sci-fi realm you know because i love alien and uh you know it also deals with sort of a latino experience so it's kind of tying everything uh, that i've done together
0: That's fantastic. And, and finally, my last question, was this
1: movie just an excuse for you to kill a bunch of influencers and Instagram celebrities? (laughs) I mean, you'll, you'll have to ask Fede about that one, you know? So whoever, whoever crafted the story. (laughs) There was a little bit of fun in that though, right? Yeah. But I I was glad to do it. I was glad to do it. And it was really fun to uh, I added the, you know, the cell phone angle because it was not, not originally in the script, but I just, I was like, everyone is filming everything these days. We all see people, who are in grave danger still filming what's coming at them so this would totally happen in real life and I have to put it in the movie
0: it's it's one of the moments where uh I was I was watching it alone but I I kind of stood up and cheered I gotta I gotta be honest
1: it was it was one of those where yeah. I was like this is
0: fantastic
1: so yeah I've uh, seen it with some test audiences and there's always a guy that stands up and just like goes like that so I'm that guy uh, yep.
0: Well, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm that guy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me and talking. This movie comes out February 18th. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. So thank you. And I look forward to your, uh, your ode to alien in the future. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it.